Creative thrives in cities, and cities move, change, and grow with the creative minds they host. Urban landscapes are shaped by creative practices rooted in local communities, which can lead to transformative urban agendas with increasing attention to sustainability and inclusion. This happens because of people, collaboration, and experimentation at the individual and institutional level, often across borders. Welcome to Creativity Pioneers, a podcast by the Moleskine Foundation. Today's episode was recorded during the last Milano Design Week in a panel discussion on how creative minds and talents contribute to social and economic growth in global cities, focusing on emerging markets and economies, and why this is seriously worth investing in. The event was in partnership with ODI, Lago, and Basi Milano. The idea of today is really to explore some of the concepts that are extremely important as a Moleskine Foundation, I think are particularly relevant, uh, uh, you know, especially this week in Milan. You know, the idea of creative cities and inclusive cities. I think it's those two things, you know, they're not, we put them together, but that's not necessarily an obvious thing. Uh, the idea of, uh, of a creative city is a concept uh, that, that now has quite a number of years. Uh, already in the 70s, uh, UNESCO started investing heavily in research about the role that culture had as a main driver of development of a city. And, and I'm extremely excited because we have an incredible panel to, 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 to make this navigation together. Um, the first one is Marta Foresti, is a dear friend, and uh, um, now the founder of, uh, of Lago and also senior fellow in ODI. Uh, then we have uh, Marcus De Santo here uh, as the uh, director of the Prince Klaus Fund. Linda, obviously, that is creative director of Base Milano. And then, if God wants, maybe, hopefully, at some point, directly from Toronto, there will be uh, Gabriela Gomez-Mont, who um, is uh, the founder of this very interesting space called Experimentalista, but also she was the chief creative officer of Mexico City. The way we would like to have this, this exploration about these two concepts today is starting from large and then going to small. Like, the idea is that with Marta, we're going to explore more the, 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 the governance level, the, the, the system level, you know, and she's going to tell us, you know, why that connects with her work. Then we're going to go to, hopefully, Gabriela, if she's going to be connected and, and kind of explore the dimension of the city itself. Then we're going to move to, to Linda, you know, as an expert of, of creative and cultural spaces in cities and see the role that they play in the development uh, uh, of the unit. And then we're going to go to Marcus because the Prince Klaus Fund has a very unique approach in supporting directly individual bypassing organizations. So that's, I think, is an interesting one. So we're going to have this exploration. It's going to be a dialogue. We see where we're going to land. Yes, I spent a lifetime working on policy, particularly working on research and evidence in policy, and specifically on what we call development policies, which are largely policies and investment to improve economics and social outcomes for citizens. And a while ago, while I was working on policies, and funnily enough, while I was working with some mayors and some cities, I spotted that 
creativity was not part of the conversation. Although so much happens in cities around culture and creativity, um, these were not active conversation in the policy space. So these two mayors met, like mayors do, at the, at the, in the, um, on the side of a traditional policy conversation. It was a conversation about climate change and cities come together all the time to discuss the policy of climate change. And they thought that they needed to do something to challenge the current narratives of Africa-Europe relations and that cities could do something to achieve that. And then they thought about sectors you know, to work on practically. And they came up with two ideas, two sectors. First, waste management, the collection of rubbish, a topic that you know, is common in so many uh, cities around the world. And they were particularly concerned with narratives of migration between Africa and Europe. And so they wanted to talk about how practically the fact that people move to cities creates challenges around the collection of rubbish. But the second sector that they came up with was fashion. They thought, what if we talk about the fact that there is an emerging you know, group of creatives in Sierra Leone who could benefit from connecting better with creatives in other cities and the cities of Milan? What if the fashion industry in Milan could benefit from being exposed to the creativity of African designers? And all of that culminated you know, in a policy action um, at the end of 2022 in Freetown, Sierra Leone. The mayor established something called the Freetown fashion, creatives and design, creatives network. And so a city-based governance structures for creatives of the city, a city that has a number of challenges when it comes to commercial relations, to cost of production, to um, access to external markets, and create a platform of, of creatives supported by the mayor and municipality who connects with fellow mayors in Africa and in Europe to create opportunities for creatives to communicate um, and, um, and expand their businesses. Oh, thank you, Marta. That was great um, because it gave us like a very strong and concrete you know, example of something. Does it drive only economy? Does it drive something else beyond economy? You know, what is creativity? Gabriela, thanks a lot for being here. You, um, among various things, you've been the chief creative officer of Mexico City, that I think is, A, is a fascinating title to have. You can brag about it for the rest of your life about for this. But, but I think it is also especially interesting because we know Mexico City is probably one of the biggest example of, of a place that literally the, the branding of, of the city itself was not that great. When, when until, I mean, from Europe, I would say that until... 10, 15, 20 years ago, you say Mexico City, people were like, oh, security, pay attention, watch out, etc., etc., to now being one of the most exciting and creative city in the world. So, what happened? Tell us a little bit about your experience, but I would love to tell us also about this connection between creativity and inclusivity. These two things really go together, or it's something that we like to think that they go together? So truth be told, I think in terms of Mexico City, it has always been the darling of the creative world. It's rather the world at large that is now discovering Mexico City because, yes, during the 90s, we had big issues with, um, with security, even for people living in Mexico City. And so in a certain sense, people started shying away from it. And just like the daunting size of the megalopolis was something that now I think is very exciting to folks, but at the time seemed 
incredibly insurmountable in terms of like how do you even navigate this. Um, but the story of Mexico City is an interesting one in, in many ways. First of all, because creativity has been part of its heart forever. Even from the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, uh, when people were actually fleeing uh, Europe, we had huge exiles during the Spanish Civil War. We had amazing surrealist painters um, fleeing um, as well the the Second World War and landing in Mexico City. And interestingly enough, and perhaps to the point I'd also like to make today about creativity and inclusivity at the city scale, uh, a really intertwined cultural world with the political one. So you had people such as Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo that you all know, and I'll mention them because I know that nowadays they're a household name, that were also deeply into politics and about, and really thinking about, you know, how do we want to live together? How do we want to be together? Um, and that culture had a huge place in the space of things. So when I was chief creative officer uh, for Mexico City, I, let, I had uh, 20 people on my team. Uh, it was Laboratorio para la Ciudad, which was the creative arm and experimental think tank of the Mexico City government. I reported directly to the mayor. And of these 20 people, half of them came from the urban and political sciences. And the other half actually came from the humanities. So I had everything from political scientists, lawyers, administrators, um, internationalists, AI experts, data experts, tech experts, working hand in hand with designers, writers, historians, philosophers, artists, filmmakers, um, architects, urbanists, futurists, and a few that I'm probably forgetting, and everything that we did sat in between. So beyond the cultural policy, it was also, how do we think about lawmaking? How do we crowdsource constitutions? How do we think about public space differently within marginalized communities? How do we create participatory processes that could add to something larger and bigger? So some of the questions that I, I'd leave you with um, are, A, how do we democratize imagination? an imagination that goes beyond the cultural industries, but that where creativity and culture are, if you will, R&D spaces for social, for just like social creativity and for social and political imagination is one of them. How do we think about ideas traveling the scale of the city in all sorts of ways and what that actually entails for the vitality of urban life and for the diversity of urban life? Because I, what I love about diverse cities is that in places it, like Mexico City, diversity can unfortunately become divisiveness in terms of inequalities, et cetera, et cetera. But if thought correctly, it can actually be a healing space in, in many ways because then you need that diversity and that com combinatory possibility to actually create a very rich, non-monolithic urban culture in, in many ways. It's interesting that this unit of the city somehow makes sense. It seems that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a right unit in which we can start working on. Um, you know, and in this case, from a policy perspective, mayor seems people that somehow they have stuff to do. And there is, and there is a, a possibility of connection there, but it would be interesting to, um, uh, to, to explore that more and to kind of understand to which extent it's important to have the right policies, the right incentives, you know, the right, you know, to, to also go much more deeper in, in some of the question like meaning making. That, that so many times, like you don't even, uh, you know, make it in any form of, uh, of government of policy at any level. Now, you know, so we're we still at the city level, but then we go to what is the role, Linda, that, that spaces like, like this one can play, you know, in a city uh, to, to somehow like build the type of picture that in a certain extent Gabriella, you know, painted for us. Why 
these kind of spaces actually uh, come to life. Because at some point, the traditional cultural organizations, cultural institutions, have become unaccessible, uninclusive, not inclusive. So museums, theaters, especially opera theaters or uh, national theaters, uh, libraries, um, in, at the end of the 20th century became places for people that already were using them, already were groups of uh, knowledge makers. Um, and other people that felt outsiders, that felt out of that uh, stream of knowledge, um, decided to and decided to organize themselves around one idea that is a question that is who is in charge no it's not anymore who is the target for my event who is the public for my festival who is that i'm working for it is who is that we are working with and especially who is that is imagining together with us the actual concept of the new cultural institution a new cultural place and from that question that uh, immediately changed the, the verticality of the traditional institution to the horizontality of uh, a new process making, uh, decision making, that places like Basel were born in the last, in the last years. And there no. is a lot of private investment, that is one thing that is very relevant in Italy. All these organizations are led by private organizations or even from individual individuals that decide to invest their money and decide to, <clears throat> to carry on this uh, public uh, investment. So what happens? That private organization, individuals, um, become an alternative from the politics and policies. One step forward that we are uh, actually um, doing in, this, in these days and that many of our colleagues are asking themselves, is how these uh, centers, creative hubs, there are so many uh, etiquettes, creative hubs, community centers, cultural centers, how these places, not anymore spaces, so from spaces, this transition from spaces to places, then uh, makes another step forward towards and in, uh, uh, an actual inclusivity, because what is happening now is that these spaces are very much open to creative, creatives, artists, designers, uh, architects, uh, urbanists, uh, all the people that are already, again, already in the process making. So how these places can actually become places for everybody, for each and every person. So that's why we are working a lot uh, to decrease, to lower the access filter, economic access filter, so gratis uh, and free events, um, language access filter. We are trying to understand how communication is already a filter in our events. One of the main, most important words is trust. Is the trust that these places are actually creating with the people that enters. One of the things that you touch upon that is coming up again is this idea of like places like this where we can face questions related to relation, trust, again, meaning making, love, etc., etc. I think is the, is the interesting point, but I think is also you mentioned that this is not just going to happen just by the virtue of creating something. It's a, it's a huge 
managerial challenge. I say managerial because of your position. And so it also goes beyond the intentionality. We need to figure this out. It's not going to happen by itself. So I will look. Marcus. Now, the mayors are doing fantastic things. Places, uh, spaces, uh, everything's going fantastically. Why you only focus on individuals? You mistrust other institutions? You mistrust organization? Or the idea of uh, people uh, having the power to really make a difference by themselves. And that the idea of development outside of culture is a nonsense idea, that it is a basic need. Culture has to be supported as much as any kind of development work that we do in the world. But uh, we decided to focus on people uh, because we realize that a lot of change makers in the world are not always attached to organizations, they're not always attached to, to bodies, uh, whether economically or artistically, but that they try to make a difference in their own communities. And they try to imagine the world differently from how sometimes, um, as we were talking with Marta about, about uh, policy makers that sometimes really kind of, it's a little bit devoid of the idea of being creative and how to solve the societal issues that we have. So what's important, and I, and I think it, it almost, it's, it's uh, Linda was saying that the, the idea of trust is, has become also quite important because people ask us a lot, why do you, how do you uh, measure the impact of supporting individuals? It is trust. It's purely trust. You have to trust that they, they have the right intentions and that they also want to do a better job in creating uh, more sustainable and impactful uh, futures for, for their communities. We um, would probably uh, be uh, failing the creative sector if we moved away from supporting individuals because it is those individuals that are actually going into their communities to make a difference without having to ask permission. I, I don't think I can quite underline how rare the approach of the Prince Klaus Fund is. I mean, we see eye to eye, you know, in the idea of building uh, a trust-based philanthropy approach. Um, as a Moleskin Foundation, we support organization instead of individuals, but, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a short step between the two. Um, and, uh, but, but the question, again, the question of trust and how to bring in the unmeasurable inside a, an institution and figure it out how to make it happen. And or also trust the fact that you don't have direct control in the outcome, but you can just create the condition for something to happen. We have here the pleasure to have um, our dear friend Emilia Terani, uh, who is a publisher and also have strong opinion around the, the, the world of you know, design and creativity, especially in cities. So I would love, Emilia, how did you feel about this conversation? What, uh, what can you tell us about it? Well, I think that the, the conversation was incredibly inspiring. And, uh, and I think it is very important that it's happening during Design Week, because uh, the question is, uh, there is a lot of creativity, there is a lot of energy, there is a lot of money, there is a lot of everything, but how can we bring it back to design? And I think uh, that uh, design at its best, uh, it's, uh, designers are problem solver. 
They just want to solve a problem, and they wanted to solve a problem in a creative way. Designers have a very bizarre and inverse relationship with troubles. Whenever things are not working, there is an opportunity for design. And this, I think, is the great lesson, meaning that uh, it's not only solving a problem, but it's really being an engine for changing and for transformation. Thank you, Emilia. That's great. And, and I think a reminder about this idea of creativity and design and a mindset before everything else. It doesn't matter if we talk about a mayor, you know, a CEO, an artist, you know, design itself, like a policymaker, how we can spread this mindset a little bit across the board. Thank so you so much on behalf of the Moleskine Foundation, really, for being with us, you know, and having and engaging this conversation. Hope this is not going to be the, the last one, but this is the beginning of a conversation, for sure. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And yes, looking forward to stay connected. All right, cheers. Thanks for listening to our new podcast, Creativity Pioneers. If you'd like to check out other episodes and know more about our mission, please visit moleskinfoundation.org. Keep on following this podcast and share your comments on Facebook and Instagram at Moleskin Foundation. Until next time, stay creative.